When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, a Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. Formula One is immediately back in action this weekend following the 2020 Bahrain Grand Prix, with the inaugural Sakir Grand Prix taking place at the same venue, albeit on a very different track. And it was the pre-event media day following a very busy few days of F1 news with the biggest talking points coming out of the paddock on Thursday, the topics for our latest bite-sized podcast. So joining me to discuss all of those topics and more tonight is Autosports F1 reporter Luke Smith. How are you Luke? How are you feeling after what's been a pretty intense few days on the uh, the news beat? Yeah, it's been incredible. I can't actually think of a more intense few days that we've had this year, even in Australia when we had the cancellation, even when we had the moves with Vettel, with Sainz, with Ricardo, sort of in the in the springtime. I think these sort of last few days have just been the most the most challenging, the most exhausting, but the most fun as well. I, this is ultimately what I love so much about our jobs, that we do have these great stories to talk about obviously unfortunate circumstances with Lewis Hamilton uh, testing positive for COVID-19 but that has now opened the door for George Russell at Mercedes for Jack Aitken at Williams and it's just I think a really cool sort of late season story that I think is going to make this memorable 2020 season even more memorable so uh, yeah tired but happy I think is how I'd sum up my mood. That's good to hear. I mean, you're completely right. It's added a, a really fascinating extra few dimensions into it. I mean, he was already sort of looking forward to being quite a chaotic, interesting race on what is a very different track, as I said, the, the outer loop track uh, that they'll use at the Bahrain circuit this weekend. That was already shaping up to be quite interesting in itself. Now we've got these fascinating subplots to keep an eye on uh, with George Russell in at Mercedes alongside Valtteri Bottas and, uh, and as we say, Jack Aitken at Williams, Pietro Fittipaldi at Haas replacing Roman Grosjean. Uh, but why don't we start with, uh, with, uh, with George Russell at Mercedes? Um, first of all, there was a bit of an alteration 
decision in terms of the lineup of the press conference. Mercedes going first as opposed to last, which is that's Russell's normal spot with Williams goes on first because it's done in their reverse constructors championship order from last year. Uh, why why were Mercedes on first tonight? Do you know? Uh, so that's actually to help the UK newspapers because obviously for the Fleet Street lot, the British drivers are their big sort of their big selling point, their big talking point. So I guess that Mercedes would have been on first anyway because obviously Lewis Hamilton is who the Fleet Street guys normally writing about but uh, yeah for for this time around it was George Russell who was up first as normal as you say but in very different team gear and uh, yeah a bit of a flip flip of the order uh, but yeah I think that just, just again shows sort of the level of interest there is in George Russell and the story that we've got this weekend that it's not just a, a weird sort of alteration in the in the driver lineup or anything like that like this is something that on the national newspapers for the real mainstream media like this is such a big story for them as well so uh, it was quite cool yeah it's nice seeing them up first instead of last meant that instead of sort of having all our work basically at the end because obviously the bigger teams are ultimately the ones that we tend to obviously cover more and give us more stories normally we kind of have like red bull ferrari mercedes all within like an hour and it's a lot of work but it was a little bit more spaced out today which was quite good certainly was i enjoyed i went along to the uh, to the zoom press conference at the bahrain media center for the mercedes session that had a nice long wait uh, before i went to the ferrari one which i managed to fill with a delightful chat with antonio giovanazzi which i'm sure you'll be able to read the the results of on autosport.com plus and in the magazine in the in the coming weeks and months uh, but yeah let's let, let stay with uh, george russell and uh, his first appearance as a mercedes driver or sorry, i should say as a mercedes race driver because of course he has tested extensively for the team in the past what did we learn because it was interesting he was he was giving away some some really interesting details about how he's adjusting to getting in the car because he's quite a bit taller than Lewis Hamilton and also just the lengths that the team has gone to just logistically in terms of preparing what it's going to look like with a different driver in the car and you know he's a new race suit that he's got to fit in so yeah what 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 did uh, what did Russell tell us today about his uh, his uh, his start to his uh, short stint at Mercedes uh, it's been quite a tight squeeze, I think. I'm not only talking in terms of the timeline for him to get in at the very last minute here at Mercedes, but literally in the car. Because, as you say, he is a bit taller than Lewis Hamilton. He's six foot one. Lewis Hamilton is five foot nine. And uh, he was saying that he's actually had to go down a size of shoes this weekend just so he can fit in the cockpit and fit in the sort of the footwell down by the brakes. And uh, George Russell is normally a size eleven, and he's got to go down to a size ten this weekend. Lewis Hamilton is a size nine, and I can tell you this because directly behind me are a pair of Lewis Hamilton's race boots that I, I have from Mercedes which I'm very very grateful for um, but it's uh, does Lewis Hamilton know you have those I don't think he does to be honest I didn't steal them or anything I, I will clarify uh, that, yeah but, that's what I was getting at <laughs> no 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 I'm I'm no, I, I got them. I, I, I won them fair and square, let us say. So, uh, but yeah, but it's and I and I'm a size eleven as well. And when the, George was saying that, I kind of like put my foot next to the Lewis Hamilton race boot, and I was like, oh yeah, that is quite a big difference actually. So it's little things like that that I think it just shows like how obviously perfectly designed these cars are for these drivers, and that cockpit obviously will be exactly as Lewis Hamilton wants it. So to plonk another driver in there who's that much taller is quite difficult. Um, I know that Paul Deresta, who's quite tall he replaced Felipe Massa who's one of the smallest drivers has been in recent F1 times uh, Williams in 2017 obviously for the Hungarian Grand Prix and he really struggled with the footwell because his his feet didn't really fit properly so it's little things like that that was yeah quite interesting and I think it, it does sort of show how much maybe there's that extra challenge for George this weekend that he's kind of got to sort of fit around the car and 
try and get in as best he can but he was he was on good form like he said ultimately that he's not looking at this as like a 2022 shootout against Valtteri Bottas or anything like that that ultimately just wants to get in and and do the best job he can and I think that's something that he's uh, he's really yeah eager to do and I think I think everyone is expecting him as well to, to do a good job. That's the thing. Like there is that, I guess, that element of pressure. But he's taking it all in his stride, which is really cool. And I think it's just uh, a great story to see a driver who has fought hard, performed well, finally get an opportunity, even in these strange circumstances, to who knows, maybe even fight for a maiden Grand Prix victory. Definitely, I think we'll uh, we'll return to the speculation about how much of a showdown it might be for 2022 in this upcoming race, or possibly two, if Lewis Hamilton is unable to compete in Abu Dhabi. I think it's fairly safe to assume, judging by the way he was speaking today, that George Russell will would stay in the Mercedes for the final two races. But um, but yeah, look, I want I wanted to talk about how much of a risk this situation actually represents to both George Russell and Valtteri Bottas, because in a way they both have a lot to gain and they both have a lot to lose if one or the other is is clearly dominant over the weekend i think if if george russell rocks up puts lewis hamilton's car on pole and wins the race ahead of Valtteri bottas i think that reflects quite poorly on bottas and the same applies you know in, in reverse if if he's if george russell can't get any anywhere near Valtteri bottas then mercedes you know have the data in a situation where there is no pressure on the team they've won both championships already in a real this is a real live sort of test experiment to see how they how they stack up so is it quite a risky situation in a bizarre way for the two drivers i think i would argue there's probably more risk in it for Valtteri Bossas than there is for George Russell because although there is a lot of hype surrounding George and although he's come in with the expectations that he could one day be in that Mercedes seat, could one day fight for race wins for world championships. I think that coming into a team at the last minute and a car at the last minute, that's always a huge, huge ask. And I think that Mercedes probably won't be... I don't think they'll be sort of expecting him to blow the doors off Valtteri Bottas this weekend because ultimately Bottas has been very strong throughout this season. He's made a few errors in the races yet. He's had a lot of bad luck. But particularly in qualifying trim, he's been really close to Lewis Hamilton this year. And I think we've seen the best... Would you of- like to know, just very quickly, if I interject there, Luke, would you like to know the exact gap between them on average? Because I worked it out earlier today for a, a piece that were in the top 50 drivers. Go on, the then. The, the Valtteri Bottas might be in or out there this year. You never know. It's 0.133 in Lewis Hamilton's favour, which is a very small gap. Yeah, wow. That really does show the margins between them that... Valtteri has he's not been slow like he's been if we are if we are to consign him to number two driver status I think of the the classic number two drivers the Felipe Massas the Rubens Barrichellos the Mark Webbers he's probably actually been the best of the lot and the closest to his teammate up against the greatest driver in F1 history statistically so I think he deserves credit for that so really for George if he's not unless he is literally like a second off Bottas's pace if he is I'm thinking maybe like like Luca Badoa was at Ferrari or Heike Kovalainen when he did his two races for Lotus, obviously not as severely bad as Badoa, but like a long, long way off. Then you're like, alarm bells, oh, that doesn't look good. But I think as long as George is, if he can bring home even... I guess if he can come out with a podium finish, even if he's like a good sort of 20 seconds behind Bottas, he'd probably be like disappointed. But that's still a tidy haul of points. That's still performing, doing what he needs to do. I think that's I think that's good. So I don't see there's a huge amount that George Russell can lose this weekend unless he really chokes and everything falls to pieces, which I, I really don't see happening. But for Bottas, yeah, I think there is definitely a, a lot of pressure because if Russell is able to beat him in both qualifying and in the race 
that will immediately go, hang on a minute, he's stepped in at the last minute and already delivered. And I think that reflects incredibly well on George and really, really badly on Bottas. So I think that, yeah, I think there's probably more for Bottas to lose here than there is for George Russell. But I think there's also a lot for Bottas to prove as well, that if he can deliver a fuss-free weekend, as we've seen him do this year, take pole, win the race, dominate, just no errors whatsoever, then I think that would be a really good way to sort of stamp his authority for the future and say to Mercedes, look, you may have this young guy coming up the ranks who's got this chance and obviously wants to impress, but I'm still here, I'm still delivering, and really... I'm I'm doing everything I have to do. So why why change that, I guess? Indeed. And to be fair to Bottas, he wasn't shying away from the question of, you know, what would it do to your career or your potential future if, if Russell comes in and beats you? I think uh, seemed to take umbrage to the way that question was asked to him. I thought it was a very fair question. But I also thought he, he also uh, he also responded very well in a case where not all the all drivers would, I think, acknowledge that there is a, a little bit of a risk if, if, it, if it doesn't come badly. He came, he came across and said, you know, yeah. I guess it won't look so good for me if uh, if, if George beats me, but uh, but you know, we shall see what happens at the weekend. Um, let's move on now, Luke, to uh, the team where George Russell has left temporarily. Williams, Jack Aitken making his F1 debut. Uh, you went you went along to the Zoom press conference uh, for for Jack's first uh, F1 weekend appearance alongside Nicholas Latifi. How how was he in the in the full glare of the F1 spotlight for the first time? Oh, he was good. He took it all in his stride. Like he was very chipper and in a really good mood, as, as one would expect of a driver who's about to make his F1 debut. But he he wasn't like some other drivers have in the past, where they've kind of got this. They've made their first F1 appearance, and they're already just like very robotic and monotonous, and just a bit like, and he doesn't really give us much. Whereas he was in a good mood. He was a bit jokey at times, which is nice. And yeah, just just really just really chipper, and I think that's really cool. He's a really nice lad, and it's nice to see. It's nice to see the nice guy sort of win, if that makes sense, and get opportunities like this. So that was really good. And yeah, he said that basically he just wants to just do what he can this weekend. That he he hopes that if there is maybe some chaos and a, a bit of drama up ahead, that maybe he he can even think about a breakthrough point or something like that, which would be monumental. I think an achievement for Williams, but we have to wait and see. I think that. Jack is he's knowing that he's coming into this weekend off the back of a very rough F2 season he's not really had the chance to properly perform as as we know he can but he has embedded himself so well within Williams he's worked a lot on the simulator he said today that he's probably done too many sim days and jokes and was like oh sorry guys that's probably not what they want to hear I've done just the right amount of sim days and was very very sort of cheeky about that but he's yeah he's done everything he has to do um he's been in at the car in the FW43 in practice for the Styrian Grand Prix so he knows what he's doing with it and I think this is a really good chance now for him to basically prove that even after such a rough year in F2 that he can um, he can perform and that he should be on the radar for an F1 seat perhaps come 2022 and uh, one of his big taglines that he's always used is YOTUS which stands for Year of the Ultimate Send uh, and I said to him are you going to be doing that on track this weekend he was like I don't think people would appreciate that if I did that into turn one so uh, he's going to be pushing I think but ultimately he'll want a clean weekend and to hopefully come home with a decent finish for his Formula 1 debut. Oh, good boy! You answered that question that I didn't understand about what Jack uh, Aiken was putting on his uh, on his tweet on his tweets recently. Thank you, Luke. Um, I, th- I think that description of him being sort of chipper and uh, and cheeky in the press conference today that adds up to everything I uh, know about Jack Aiken. I covered him in uh, GP3 in 2017. Also, I, th- I think he's very he's very well media trained in a, like he's not a robot. Like he, I know he did a bit of commentary for the Formula V8 3.5 or whatever it was called back then. Uh, you know, so he, he does come across very very well. So yeah, very interested to see how he gets on. Uh, at Williams and, and as you say the, the, the nature of the track it's going to be a very uh, power dependent circuit um, 
very short lap 55 56 second lap with 20 cars you know there's not going to be a, there's not going to be a lot of time in between them if they sp- space out sensibly which they inevitably won't so it's got all the recipes for the chance for a williams uh, to, to to nick a point or two so we shall see how they get on at the weekend uh, but yeah the other other new face in the paddock um uh, for, well first of all let, let's let's just say uh, roman grosjean we're delighted to see him back in the paddock uh, meeting uh, all the various people that uh, helped him during that awful awful accident and fireball in the bahrain grand prix and uh, he seems to be uh, recovering as well as he can do obviously aiming to be back in the car for abu dhabi because he just doesn't want his formula one career to end uh, with that crash and um, but the driver who will be replacing him for this weekend as, uh, as grosjean recovers from those burns particularly on his hands i think that that is the main thing that that grosjean doesn't know whether he'll be able to, to take part in abu dhabi it's his left hand whether that can recover all the mobility that he'll need in that race uh, it's pietro fittipaldi in at Haas. Uh, what did we learn about him today how is he settling in at the team yeah very well i mean ultimately he's been part of that team for a good what sort of two three seasons now in in that reserve role he's worked with them a lot on race weekends similar to, to jack aiken really that he has just been so part of that team and it was always it was always going to be him who got that call up and to Steiner said that it was never a consideration of any other driver of drafting in nico hulkenberg or, or anyone like that because ultimately petro's been there he's done the job and he wanted to sort of recognize the work that he's done over the years and it's going to be i think it's going to be a tough weekend for fittipaldi i think the fact that he's not done a lot of sort of top line racing for quite a while he's been in dtm more recently and uh it's a good sort of what three years since his uh, formula v8 3.5 title victory so i think it's it's going to be a steep learning curve i think for him but uh yeah he said ultimately he's just been told to enjoy it obviously he comes from a family of f1 racers and he turned to them for some advice and all of them said you only ever get one formula one debut so really savor this weekend make the most of it and uh yeah i'm sure he'll be eager to see what he can do when he finally hits the track uh, in anger in the VF20 car tomorrow in practice. Mm. Talking about the, I think it's the 2017 uh, Formula V8 3.5 uh, championship the Fittipaldi won. That uh, it's given me excellent flashbacks to when I had to assemble those uh, those World of Sport pages for Auto Sport magazine after <laughs> I just joined uh, joined the editorial team there. But anyway. Um, Let's uh, let's move on to the last thing we're going to cover tonight, Luke, and that's the sort of the main bit of hard thing happening news, which is that Fernando Alonso is going to drive for Renault in the Young Driver Test that follows the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, and. Apart from the obvious in that Fernando Alonso is not a young driver, with the biggest respect in the world, um, why is that so controversial? And what does that mean for the other drivers who are changing teams for 2021, like Carlos Sainz Jr., for example? Well, it has really opened the door. And I think that it's been something that we know Renault have wanted for a long time. And everyone always went, but he's just clearly not a young driver. It just doesn't work. And in the end, it's actually come down to the FIA and apparently come from Jean Todd himself saying that they can use the FIA's power to basically say it's at our discretion. And they're allowing it to happen. So I I know when we reported the story yesterday, lots of people replied sort of making reference to the episode of Friends where Joey Tribbiani has got to try and play a 19-year-old and he's in his 30s. And he's sort of dressed up in all this gear and he's got a cap on sideways. He's like, everything's whack and that really made me laugh because it's true like Fernando just isn't a young driver and Daniel Ricciardo was asked about it and he said it's never been a consideration to get in the car before 2021 McLaren aren't going to be doing the test because they've not got a young driver ultimately they've they've got no one on their junior books they could put in there so it's kind of and I think we'll probably learn more when we talk to Andrea Seidel tomorrow but 
if McLaren knew that the floodgates were going to open and the door would be open to an older driver, they would probably have turned to Ricardo and said, let's try and get you in early. Or maybe even turn to... I was talking to um, a friend of mine in, uh, who covers IndyCar in the States, and he said, why not Felix Rosenquist or Oliver Askew? Because that's a perfect opportunity to just say, look, we've got three days, get in the car, see what you can do. And it, and it is true. So I think that's why teams are annoyed. But it has open the door and one team that is going to try and take advantage of that is Ferrari because they are signing Carlos Sainz for next season it's something they are now talking about Sainz he said that he confirmed today that his contract with McLaren would allow him to do that Ferrari test in Abu Dhabi so we could see him in Ferrari gear as early as in two weeks time but I think it is just a case of the FIA talking with Ferrari and trying to work things out but to me I can't see anything to stop that now because if they're allowing older drivers in if they're allowing Fernando Alonso in there's absolutely no way that they can turn to science and say well you don't qualify so yeah I think it's a it's a very odd story I don't really understand why the FIA have done it because it does kind of undermine the whole point of a young driver test but now they've done it they've got a what's the saying live by the sword die by the sword Yes, perhaps a slightly violent Maybe, uh, yeah. imagery there, Luke, for the situation. <laughs> but I, I, I do take your point. Tested. I do take your point. That's fair enough. But yeah, you're right. It is, it's, uh, it is a slightly ridiculous move by the FIA, I think, to call it a young driver test and then just say, yeah, but anybody can come in because we, we're letting them. It's a, bit, it's a bit silly, but there we go. That's up to them. It's up to, it's up to what they decide. So we shall leave that there. Sorry if I'm, uh, it sounds like I'm wittering on. It's because it's getting quite late here in Bahrain. Um, so, Luke, I'll just say... Thank you very much for coming on the podcast tonight and thanks to everybody listening along. Now, just before we go, we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out today and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents as well as on the doormats of subscribers. There'll be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday, packed full of news, analysis and the usual stunning photography. And of course, if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to a digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport podcast. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The Just Because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. You don't need a reason when the one and only hot and melty sausage McMuffin with egg is just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.